Well, listen, I had uh, prepared a message for today, for 2017, our inaugural day as Timber Creek Church. And uh, yeah, all two of you, so excited. And uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, you're just, you know. So, but you know, Saturday morning, about four, four o'clock, I came up to the office, I was just restless. And uh, it may have been because my wife was snoring so bad. Um, that's a joke. Uh, that, that's the roles of reverse right there, baby. But uh, I came up here and I just felt led to just share something, something completely different. Had no intention of talking about this today. Um, but I always know that when the Lord deals with me like that, it, it's, it's because he really wants to see if I'll surrender to him and if you'll surrender to him. And when, when, he, when he works like that, there's just, there's an important element. And so I want to invite you for the next few moments we have. Lean in to what the Lord might want to say to you. Let the Lord search your heart. Have an open book with the Lord today. Because, I mean, what better way to start, like I've said five or six times now, to start the new year with hearing from God and doing what he's calling us to do. I want to jump in with a, a story from the book of Joshua. It's a passage of scripture, Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. And this is in the Old Testament. And Joshua... You're going to see in the scripture who he is and what he's being called uh, to do. And so let's jump right in. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or you can follow me right along uh, on the screen. So here's what the word of the Lord says in Joshua chapter 1. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, not a nun. Nuns don't have babies. But the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, his assistant, he says, hey, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now that's huge if you know who Moses is. We'll break that down in just a moment. Now then, God says to Joshua, you and all these people, get ready, get ready, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. This wouldn't be the first body of water they crossed. When they were first released, Exodus out of Egypt, they, they, uh, Moses held the, the, the staff out and the Red Sea parted and they walked through on dry ground in the Red Sea. So a little river in no comparison to the Red Sea, yet they were stuck where they were and weren't moving forward. But I want you to get ready to cross the Jordan River, he says, and I'm going to give you some land. I'm going to give it to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Now, look at this. God's going to give something, isn't he? I, I will give you. You're not going to get it yourself. I will give you. But what is, what is Joshua responsible for? He's responsible to what? Get ready. Do not think that when you say we got to let go and let God, that you have no participation in the deal. Like this is a partnership, everyone. And so you got, as my grandpa used to say, you got two feet in a heartbeat. Huh? You got to get ready. You got to be responsible for your part. I'm going to be responsible for mine. It's a partnership together. The Bible goes on to say, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. Here we get a popular scripture. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So then God says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He goes on to say it a second time. He's got, like, he's got to like convince them, doesn't he? Be strong and not just courageous, very courageous. Be careful. Careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. 
Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Why? Why is God saying be careful to obey the law? Why? We get the so that. So that you may be successful wherever you go. Listen, I have got subscriptions to blogs and a lot of, a lot of different leadership blogs and, and, and a lot of different uh, uh, business entrepreneurial uh, blogs and things. And, and, and like I've had like 14 of them just this last just this last week or two that's inviting me to take a seminar online to start your 2017 with the eight best practices, what the most successful people do before breakfast. You know, I mean, all these different things. And you know, I've signed up for a couple of them because, because, I, because I like that kind of stuff that just gets me. But can I tell you, no blog will ever take the place of being careful to follow the word of the Lord. Because if we do that, that's where we find success wherever we go. Trust me, success that, that Mr. Blogger is going to give you might be step one, two, three, four, and five, but the word of the Lord is solid and can be trusted more than any blog. Verse eight, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate, think about it, uh, think about how they, what they did and how God responded. Think about that day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you the third time? It's like, have you ever had to tell your kids two or three times something? We had to drive 10 hours to Ottawa, Kansas this last week to go celebrate Christmas. I said had to, we got to. But we also have an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I forgot to charge the iPads the night before. Yeah, first world problems, everybody. You know, that, that's a really a first world problem. iPad wasn't charged. My kids had to like talk to each other for 10 hours. But I got the question. You know the question. Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? How much longer? Like they had to be reminded because they just they couldn't deal with where they were. And I see Joshua here as a human, just like you and me. God himself has to remind him three different times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Take your study notes and write some of these thoughts down because I want to talk to you about courage for 2017. At Timber Creek Church, we have a mission and we have vision. And the way they're different is like this. Our mission, we say it like this, your God-given potential is the mission of Timber Creek Church. And as I was praying over Exodus 6, the four promises of God, I will bring you out, I will free you, I will redeem you, I will take you as my people. That's your God-given potential. To drink those cups from Jesus and to really, to know him, to find freedom, to discover purpose and make a difference. It can't get simpler than that. We're not going to try and reinvent the, the biblical wheel here. God said it. He still means it. And he wants you to follow it. And that's your God-given potential is when you can go from knowing him, freedom, purpose, and into making a difference to where it's not just about your potential. Like I'm getting all this. It's really reversing and having your focus on someone else. It's having the focus on someone else. That's where we really realize our God-given potential. Mom and dad, it's not just about you realizing your potential, but then you see how you turn that and you just help, help your children and their children's children, how from generation to generation we share of his good works. That is your God-given potential. But look at this now. 
the fulfillment of my God-given potential hinges. It will swing. I, I, this is a, I promise you. It will swing on your level of courage. It takes courage for you to step into what God has for you next. You cannot accidentally stumble into your God-given potential. You, you, you don't just accidentally poof, what? Like, God, like your God-given potential is like some, you know, pit covered with palm leaves, you know, and you're like Swiss Family Robinson just walking around and all of a sudden, I've achieved my potential. It doesn't happen like that. It's not a surprise. It's not an accident. And it will hinge on your level of courage to become the person you're to become, to say no to what you're to say no to, to say yes to the best things and say no to the good things, even the good things. Sometimes you got to say no to some stuff. You got you to ditch some drama. Boy, that's the word of the Lord to some of you. Ditch the drama in 2017. That's your bumper sticker. Go make it. Make a t-shirt. I'm ditching the drama in 2017. I didn't say divorcing the drama. I said ditching the drama. You got you to gotta let go of some stuff. You gotta, you're hanging on to some things. You got to ditch the drama and be courageous. Be strong. Your part. God will do his. You be strong and courageous. When I think of courage, uh, I think of these, uh, these uh, definitions out of the book Character Matters by Dr. Mark Rutland. And he says it like this. Courage is the willingness to act out of conviction rather than feelings. I've said it many times, feelings lie to you. The way you felt about that situation, your feelings can lie to you. Convictions are the bedrock and we get the convictions we'll learn in just a moment from the word of God. And we gotta be willing to act out of our convictions, not just what feels right or doesn't feel uncomfortable. Another definition would be, we deny, we say no to our own flesh and we do what is right despite the cost. Oh, thank God that Jesus had the courage to take on the cross. Even in the garden of Gethsemane, he had to deny his flesh regardless of what it was going to cost him. Nevertheless, he took that cup and he drank that cup for us, he had courage. So taking on 2017 with courage. When we think of this scripture passage of Joshua getting ready to go from the wilderness into the promised land, having to cross the Jordan River into their destiny, what can we learn about courage and about transition and about new territory and new things since we're jumping into a new day, a new year, a new you? What, what, what can we glean from the scripture this morning? Let's start with number one. Number one, I will find the courage to face the future. This passage starts out with a real bummer. Moses is dead. The guy who grew up in Pharaoh's home was, was, was a foster kid turned adopted child of Pharaoh. Grew up in the home, best educated, best education, best house. I mean, he, he had everything. And yet he learns that he's a Hebrew. He learns the plight of his people. He sees them as slaves and he can't stand it. And he sees a, he sees a guard beaten up on one of his fellow people and he acts out of rage and he kills the dude. And he knows that, that he's going to be in trouble. So he jets out of Egypt and he's, he wanders and he's out of Egypt for 40 years. Then God visits through this, through this, 
a supernatural moment of a fiery uh, bush, a burning bush. And God shares with him, go, and I want you to, to tell the Pharaoh to let my people go, and you're going to bring them out. Moses has all kinds of questions. He's concerned. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to do it. Yet he does, and through this supernatural acts of God, he leads them out. He crosses the Red Sea. There's, there's manna in the wilderness, but, but, but they didn't get to their destination the time they should have because they mumbled and they grumbled and they complained and they weren't very strong and they weren't very courageous in the wilderness. And now finally, after years and years, four, four decades of wandering, finally Moses is gone. He's dead. He's the, he would be like the Hebrew American idol. The doors open up, he walks in, music starts, teenagers pass out. He's given all signatures and he's, I mean, he was the deal. Secret service everywhere, holding up his arms during battle. I mean, this guy was legit. He was the Hebrew superstar and he's dead. He's, he's gone. And Joshua has to have the courage to face the future without his leader. He's his assistant. Some of you, some things died in 2017, 16. Stuff didn't work out. A dead end was found. You, you came up against a river that seems impossible to cross. A river of re relational distress and dysfunction. A river of family issue. A river of financial crisis. A river you got laid off. A river you found out there's a sickness. A river you lost a loved one. And you can camp where you are but God wants you to face the future with courage. He wants you to move forward and know, even though good things have happened in the past, even though this was that, I'm gonna face the future and what God has for me next with strength and courage. Did you know that the windshield is bigger than the rear view for a reason? What would it be like if your windshield was this small in your car and you had this massive rear view mirror? I promise you, we would have wrecks all over the place. But that's how some people are wrecking their lives. They're driving their lives down the road of 2017 looking in the rear view. It's important to remember. It's important to reminisce. It's important to hang on to memories. We love that. But if you try and drive down living through the rear view, you're going to miss something and end up in a ditch. The windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror for a reason because God has something more than just the exodus out of Egypt and in the wilderness for 40 years. He had a promise for them and he has a promise for you too. And he wants you to step into the next place, but you gotta be willing to trust him to cross the rivers that have kept you as obstacles from what God has next. Would you ask God this year in 2017? Would you ask him every day this week, God, what's next? What's next in my life? What's next in my marriage? What's next? How can I, what can I offer to you? What more can I do? What less can I do? How can I simply, God, what's next? And would you, would you listen to him? Would you listen to the Lord on what's next? Number two, when I read this passage of scripture and I hear God saying three times, be strong and courageous, I believe that, that Joshua had to face the future, but Joshua had to find courage and you've got to find courage to adopt change. The way they operated in Egypt was not the way they were operating in the desert. And the way they operated in the desert was not the way they were going to operate on the other side of the Jordan when they entered into the land of Canaan, the promised land. They had to adopt some change. Can I tell you, change, change is frustrating. 
But you know what? Write it down. Change is inevitable. It's inevitable. It's going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. The culture is going to change. Your physical body is going to change. Not if the doctor can help it. I'm going to whatever. Change is inevitable. Uh, how, how many of you, uh, you, do you remember twice over the last 10 years, Walmart has re, restructured where it has stuff. And I walked in one day and instead of peanut butter, it was like noodles. Like where's the peanut butter? I was frustrated. And man, I'm one that embraces change. I'm one that's like, you know, if you've ever been in a church, this church changes a lot. Change is inevitable. We're a changing church. But I walked into Walmart and I didn't like it that I couldn't find my peanut butter. I couldn't like it that I didn't know where the bread was anymore. And I had to get someone to tell me, I said, where, where's the peanut butter and the bread? I said, well, you go out back over here and you do it. And I said, why'd you guys do that? I said, well, every seven years we do this little change. It's kind of based on the trends of people. And we just, you know, we, we want to keep it fresh. We want to make it easier and easier. Well, it don't feel easy to me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like church too. Well, that's not the way we used to do it. But change is inevitable. But let me tell you something, write it down. Misery is an option. <laughs> Misery is optional in the change. You're going to have change in your life. Things are going to shift and change and transition. You being miserable through it, that's your choice. We choose joy. We choose to have the right heart. We choose the fruit of the spirit over the fruit of the flesh. And I'm inviting you in 2017, be flexible. You know, I think it's third Corinthians chapter three that says, blessed are the flexible for they will not be easily broken. And for others of you, there is no such thing as a third Corinthians. That's just a statement. Okay. Blessed are the flexible. Misery and the change is optional. Timber Creek Church, a new name, a new vision. We want to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus in the timber country of East Texas. To be like Psalm 1 says, the man, the man and woman who trust the Lord and meditate on his word and follow him fully are like a tree planted by streams of living water. That's what we want to be as a church. And we want to create different locations across East Texas and reach more people until heaven is full growth is not optional. And until heaven is full, growth is not optional. Change is inevitable. And so we're going to change some stuff at the church and we're going to do our best to improve. Change doesn't always equal improvement, but improvement always equals change. And so for your own personal life, not just the corporate body of this church in 2017, the corporate for you personal life, ask him the question this year, Lord, what's my next step of obedience? Because that next step of obedience is not going to say, do exactly what you're doing and don't change anything. Do you know in order to move forward, you have to leave where you are? You got to leave something behind in order to move forward. And I'm inviting all of us to ask the question, Lord, what's my next step of obedience? That's really discipleship. What's my next step of obedience? For some of you, it's to be water baptized. Our second Sunday in February, we're going to hold water baptisms for the month of January. And we're going to have a huge celebration February 12th uh, for, for water baptisms. That's, that's your next step. Another step of obedience is for you to finally go through starting point. Or for you to, to, to finally get in part of a group and be in community. That might be a next step of obedience. For you to trust God with more than just your, your wife and your life, but maybe your wallet too. Whoa. oh 
What? I trust the Lord with everything, but stay off my, my dollar bills. I get that. I get that. But the truth is, are you going to be obedient to put God first in your life? This is a great year to do that. From your heart to your wallet, would you put God first in everything? But not only is it my next step of obedience, what's my next step of submission? Where do I need to yield myself because I love him and yield myself because I love others? Where's my next step of submission? Listen, the private in the army can obey the order of the commanding officer. He says, go do that, private. And he can do it and he can obey and he can obey to a T. But he can also have the wrong heart. And he can be mad about it. And he can be cussing underneath his breath. Yes, sir. He can be obedient and have the wrong heart. And you, you know what? You can be obeying a lot of the scripture and have the wrong heart. But because we have relationships, submission is about relationship. And it's not just for wives to their husbands. It's for us to mutually submit to one another, yield because of relationship. Where do you need to yield to your spouse? Where do you need to yield to your, you know, it's going to be my way or the highway. Where do you need to yield a habit? Where do you need to yield an attitude? Where do you need to yield to the Lord and what he's directing you to be obedient? And you don't just do it out of, well, I'm just going to do it because he says to do it, but out of a submitted heart. That takes courage to move beyond how you feel and to follow based on, regardless of what it costs, based on your convictions of following the Lord. Number three, I will find the courage to live by Christ-like convictions. I say it often from the pulpit, from the, the, the stage here, I say, I want you to live with Christ-like conduct, Christ-like character, and Christ-like convictions. To think, act, and be like Jesus, basically. The way you think, the way you act, and what you truly believe. I want your convictions, conduct, and character to be driven by the Lord, to be, to be centered in those things, not just in the things of this culture. And to live by Christ-like convictions, that takes some work. Can I promise you, you want to do great things this year? Strong convictions precede great actions. You will never do anything great without strong convictions. And I want you to not only do things great for the city, great for the community, great for your family. I believe God has put you on this earth to do great things for the kingdom of God, to do great things. And that great action is preceded by strong convictions. Where do we get strong convictions, everybody? Where do we get those convictions, you think? The word of God. That's why God says to Joshua, meditate on the Lord, be strong and courageous, meditate. Be careful to not go to the right or to the left, but stay true to the word of God. This culture has gone upside down with its convictions. It's lost its spiritual geometry. What's right, what's left, what's up, what's down, what's side to side. Uh, sounds like a wobble. The, the culture is spiritually wobbling. We got these issues with the culture. And we got to get the Bible as the moral compass, as the foundation. I'm just old fashioned enough. And this church is old fashioned enough, just enough to still believe the word of God is true. The word of God is the authority of the Lord, that it's still God breathe through the authors, authors to us and that you can live by it and you can live good. 
The Bible is more than a textbook. Let it be your playbook this year. Let it be your playbook to know what's next. Use the word of God as your guide. The Bible says in Joshua 1, God said it, we've already read it. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. What does that whole meditating on his word mean? It doesn't just mean having to walk around saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners. Meditating is, what does it say? How did God respond? What is God asking me to respond? How is he wanting me to respond? And so meditating on his word, these aren't in your notes, but you may want to write some of these ideas down, especially kicking off a new year of trying to be in the Bible more. How many of you'd like to pray and read the Bible a little bit more this year? Anybody? Oh, like, like most of you? Of course. Me too. Of course. It's not, you're not going to, to it's not going to like through osmosis just happen. You've got to be strong and courageous and have two feet in a heartbeat and do it. And when you do it, understand that when you meditate on his word, it, it establishes convictions and guarantees stability. It guarantees stability in your life. It creates a sensitivity to his presence anywhere, anytime. When we're meditating on his word, we become more sensitive in conversations. We become more, more, more sensitive in, in relationships. We become a little bit more sensitive to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. The more we allow his word to be, to be meditating on it. It broadens and deepens our understanding of and love for him. Some of you, you got it. Understanding of God and you love him. But you've got this little tiny, honey, I shrunk your image of God. And, and, and he wants to expand your understanding and love for him as you read more about him. He also wants to align our thoughts with his thoughts. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He wants to align your thoughts with his thoughts. And he wants us to maintain godly direction in an upside down culture. That's how we do it, by meditating on his word. You know, it says it like this. Um, I, I said this in a, a couple, couple months ago in a sermon, but I want to, would you read this out loud with me? Say this out loud with me. Let's go. Don't try to get through the Bible. Let the Bible get through you. A lot of people working on plans to read some of the Bible this year. Some of you, maybe you want to read the whole Bible in a year. You can do that. And there's easy tools online. Listen, just write down on your notes somewhere the word U version, not the letter U, but Y-O-U version on smartphone, on Android, on iPhone. That is an app that you can download and it's an incredible Bible on your phone. It comes with all kinds of plans. You can have a plan to read the Bible through in a year. You can have a plan to read all the major uh, uh, heroes of the Bible. You, they've got plans for women, plans for men, plans for kids, plans for, uh, for those that are struggling with an addiction, plans for those that are going through loss, plans for, I mean, you name it. They've got plans. And, and I want you to use the resources and tools to help you get through the, let the Bible get through you. Don't just read just to get it done and check it off the list. That's just a checklist. That's not life change. Read so the Bible gets through you, in you. You eat the bread of life. Not this Wednesday, because this Wednesday is still off, but when everything kicks back off next Wednesday, January 11th, on January 11th, 18th, and 25th, Myself and a couple other pastors, 
Pastor Talia in particular, are going to do a three Wednesday night seminar on how to get the most out of Bible reading and prayer in 2017. If you want to learn how to pray more and pray more effectively and read the word and know how to study the word more clearly where it applies and gives you handlebars for that day, I want you to make plans to be there Wednesday night, January 11th, 18th, and 25th, a three-night seminar, those Wednesdays, on how to get the most out of the Bible, how to understand the Bible, why we can trust the Bible, and how to have a prayer time that will be meaningful. Some of you, you, you're not doing it because you just, you've just not learned how. And so you jumped off into it and it was overwhelming. We want to make it not, not, not trying to get it done, but we just want you to get the Bible in you, the word of life in you in 2017. Sound good? Number four, I will find the courage to take risks. There they were, they were through Egypt and Exodus, through those, those 10 plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, and they wandered in the wilderness because they're mumbling, grumbling, and complaining, and they finally got to the place, and they just needed to take some risks again. They needed to step up and trust God again. They had gotten used to the wilderness, and some of you, you've gotten used to life. And God wants you, I'm not talking about taking risks just, you know, on your mutual funds. I, I, although that can be something, I'm, tell you, I'm saying take some risks for, for the kingdom of God relationally. Take some risks and serve this year. I have heard it way too many times. You know what? I'm so busy. I, I can't really serve in the church. I promise you, when you give time in the church, God sees that. And this is the year. Take some risks and serve. Go through starting point. Become part of our dream team. Get into the word of God. Trust people. Be vulnerable. Get in a group. But take some risks. A passive Christ follower poses no threat. Do you know one thing you could take a risk in? I'm not talking about going and getting a box and getting on the corner and preaching to everybody that walks in the standpipe. Hey, I want to tell you something. Moses was on the north side of the desert and you're on the north side. Moss grows on the north side. Some of you got moss on your life. I'm not asking you to, you can make anything sound preachy, right? You know? We're giving a 4% discount to those who will buy a car. Anyway, so you can just do it. Just to get the preacher voice. God is inviting you to take risks relationally. Don't be a passive Christian this year. How did you share your faith? I'm not talking about a soapbox. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm not talking about leading a, a group. I'm just talking about through conversation. Would you just be open and vulnerable to be strong and courageous? And when the Lord gives you a prompting, you can say, hey, uh, I know we don't talk much. I heard you saying that your mom's in the hospital. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but do you mind if I just say a quick prayer over you and your mom? I was at lunch a couple weeks ago, and uh, the waitress was excited. Who was I with? Who was I with? Oh, Tim and Karen Stacy. I was with you guys, Tim and Karen. And... Uh, I, like I do, and I encourage you to do the same, don't make it awkward, don't make it goofy. If you make it goofy, just make sure you end by saying, and we're from Harmony Hill Baptist Church. Um, <clears throat> that's a joke. Um, they give the food and I don't bat a thousand on it, but nine times out of 10, I will say, hey, we're gonna pray in just a minute. Um, and I know you got a lot of tables to take care of. We're gonna pray in a minute. 
when we do, is there anything we could pray for you or your family about? That's simple. And sometimes you get, oh, no, I'm good. It's all good. It's all good Uh, for, for peace on earth. You know, you'll get that. Okay, you know what? That's a great... That's a great prayer to pray. In fact, Jesus came to bring peace on her. No, you don't do that. Say, hey, great. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Aaron. And they walk off and you say, God, thank you for Aaron, this food, but you love Aaron so much. And I pray that they would know peace on earth. In Jesus' name. And just the woman comes up to Outback and says, hey, what's your name again? And hey, can we pray anything when we pray for our food? She gets little tears coming in her eyes and my grandpa's really sick and I'm going to visit him and it's just a little opportunity to be a little bit stronger and more courageous with knowing God is not a fairy tale everybody we're not we're not walking in fantasy land here he's real Jesus is real And if he said, I'm going to be with you, he's with you. And he's not with you just to be a cute little coin in your pocket. He's with you to be empowered for you to speak the message of love and hope and peace to a culture that's drowning in confusion. And it doesn't have to be a sermon with five points. It can be simply a prayer over them and their family. And that's it. And then you you expect the seed to be planted and God, God give the increase. Because God is a whole lot better at changing people's lives than you and me. In fact, he's the only one that does the transforming, really. Ask yourself in 2017, what would I attempt if it wasn't about me? If this life wasn't about me? Because it really isn't about you. It's about his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would I attempt? What would I do? What would I give? What would I sacrifice? How would, how would I move forward? What, what would I be strong and courageous in? How would I humble myself? How would I kill pride in my life? How would I say yes to being a part of something bigger than myself? What would I attempt if it wasn't about me? Number five, I will find the courage to listen and obey. I said it in a sermon earlier this, this last year, way, way back in 2016. I said, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. God expects you to listen twice as much as you, you talk. And I know that some of you, you struggle because you have nine mouths and one and a half ear, you know. That's just, that's how you are. It, it's, that's how I can be too. That's how I can be too. Would you listen to the Lord? If you're going to spend five minutes in prayer, spend two and a half minutes in silence listening to God and spend another two and a half talking to God, but listen to him. Listen. And then if he talks to you, if he prompts you, because he's a living God that prompts us, obey. Do what he says. Don't be the foolish contractor with the sandy foundation. Be the wise man who listens and obeys. And through this passage, I believe Jesus, the Spirit of God speaks to Joshua and the Spirit of Jesus speaks to us today. And here's what I believe the Spirit of Jesus would want you to leave with today. The same way he spoke to Joshua thousands of years ago on the shore of a river. He would say, my commands, friend, My commands, son and daughter, 
They are not trifling issues open for debate. Don't take my word as a, eh, oh, you know. My commands are not open for debate. Follow me and I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. I believe the spirit of Jesus would say to you, don't be afraid. I know you better than you know you. I know your wiring. I know your personality. I know what gets you on the edge. I know what tempts you. I know what you keep struggling with that you've hid from a lot of people, but you've not hidden it, hidden it from me. I know you more than you know you. Don't be afraid. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I know your inclination to want to be right all the time. I, I, I know the bitterness that's in your heart. I know that person hurt you deeply and you've even asked, where were you, God, when this happened? I know. Can you trust me now? Will you not be afraid? Will you help me get help me help you get beyond where you are. I will be with you. The Spirit of the Lord would say, you're not alone. No matter how you feel, your feelings will lie to you. You are not alone. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ would say to us, I am greater than anything you'll face. I'm greater than that hurt. I'm greater than the surgery. I'm greater than the disease. I'm greater than the loss. I'm greater than the tragedy. I'm greater than the layoff. I'm greater than the, the papers being served that, that hits you blindsided. I'm greater. I'm greater. He had to remind Joshua of that. A hero of faith in the Bible. Because he even had to remind Moses of that. When the burning bush took place, Moses had all kinds of excuses not to be strong or courageous. I, I stutter, I, you, you got other people. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do. They're gonna kill me, who am I? And he says, it's not about you. I know you, you need to know I am. You need to not just be about you, you need to be about me, be about I am. Because I am greater than anything you'll ever face. But what else does he say to us today? You must choose your focus. I'll give you the place. I will supernaturally, Joshua, you're going you're, you're gonna to cross the Jordan River supernaturally. I'm going to do it for you. But you got to get up and step out. You got to be strong and very courageous. Because if you never step up to the riverbank, I'm not gonna open the, the river. When you're 150 yards out, you're gonna have to get close enough to start stepping. And you gotta be strong and courageous. Choose your focus. They could have chosen the focus of the huge cities that were much more fortified than their, than their wandering Israelites. They could have chosen to focus on the enemies. In fact, the, the spies came back and said, these guys are huge. They're giants. We don't know what we're gonna do. They're gonna kill us all. And they could have chosen the focus of that. But Joshua led them to be strong and courageous. 
the fulfillment of my God-given potential. That's the mission of this church. But we're not going to do it for you. Pastor can't do that for you. Your grandma can't pray that through on you. It will hinge on your level of engaging the courage that was required to take on 2017. But there is no greater person that ever lived that faced death, faced betrayal, faced arresting, faced the crucifixion. Jesus even said to his father, this is big. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And with strength and with courage. You want to know how to get it, where to get it from? You get it from Jesus. He is the source of your courage. He is the source of your strength. Would you pray with me this morning? Close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you're facing an obstacle, up against something and it's going to require you to be strong and courageous and you haven't felt very strong and you haven't felt very courageous and you're going to ask Jesus, oh Jesus, I need strength and courage. I need the boldness to step out. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to get after it today. If that's you, you're facing something that seems insurmountable. But you say, I want to be strong and courageous if that's you, would you just raise a hand? Me too. Me too. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I pray that the same way you spoke to Joshua, son of Noah, that you would speak to the men and women of Timber Creek Church, that they would be strong and very courageous to stand against adversity, to be courageous against the winds of culture, to be courageous to serve, to outserve their spouse, to, 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 to pray over their loved ones, to forgive God. They need to be strong and courageous to forgive someone that has done something so evil, so dirty, so wrong, so backhanded, so backroom agreement kind of deal. May they be strong and courageous. Jesus mighty name. Would you now receive that? You say, Lord, I will be. I will be in your name. I will find the courage. I will find the strength. And I won't find it in, a, in another book. I won't find it in a self-help aisle. I won't find it in just doing this or that or the other. I find my strength and my help. Where does my help come from? From the Lord God. And I embrace you, Lord, to guide my path and be a lamp to my feet. I trust you in 2017. And all God's people said amen.